Well, hey friends, thanks so much for joining us today. Last week, we started a brand new series entitled Loneliness, and Pastor Clay did a really great job introducing that topic. And if you missed it, I hope that you will take time to go back and watch it. If you don't know me, my name is Krista McLean, and I am the Family Ministries Pastor here at Next Level, and I am also a lover of people. It doesn't matter their age or their interest, I just love people. I love babies and toddlers who are discovering the world around them. I love preschoolers who tell it like it is. I love the young elementary age kids who believe that a new pair of shoes can make you run faster and jump higher. And elementary age kids who are too cool to admit that they like anything that you do. I love older adults who are, um, share, love to share about things that happened in the past and love to drop little tidbits of wisdom in conversation. I love new parents who find out what it means for your heart to walk around on the outside of your body. I love middle school and high school parents who bond over being called bruh who, and breathing maybe just a little bit too loudly and how hard it is to watch your kids grow up. I love high school senior parents who are counting days and minutes and maybe even seconds until they have to let go and how they're doing everything in their power to hold it all together. But if you pay really close attention, you can see their pride and their heartache occasionally slip down their cheek. And I love empty nesters who have finally recovered and are starting to become in-laws and grandparents. And I love, love students and young adults who are finding their way in the world, seeking answers to all of life's questions, and doing their very best to succeed. They're loving life and loving without reservation, and they're still finding a way to laugh and enjoy life along the way. I am also an empath, and by definition, empaths are individuals who are extremely perceptive of the feelings and the emotions of the people around them. So I tend to notice what other people miss. I see worry and uneasiness in movements. I see hurt behind eyes. I feel burdens that other people carry. I'm super sensitive, you could say, and I connect easily with the emotions that those around me carry. Many people are really uncomfortable with empathy. And empathy is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. And it's different from sympathy in that empathy involves feeling what someone else feels, while sympathy involves understanding someone else's emotions, but from your own perspective. True empathy is very vital to our ability to minister to other people. We are moved when to ministry when we allow ourselves to truly see the needs of other people and to feel the hurt that they carry. <clears throat> Sometimes it is tempting when we see pain or suffering or brokenness or the consequences of bad choices around us to just pass on by and look the other way. And perhaps we don't want to be bothered or to get involved, but we really have to get involved because we have to risk caring and investing ourselves in the lives of other people. We are called to ache over those who don't have their basic needs met, over those who are struggling with addictions, over those who have taken the wrong path, over those who are lonely or lost or afraid or suffering, over those who are in need of grace and comfort and strength. And we're called to walk with them in the messiness of life. So we can offer hope and healing 
that could only be found in Jesus. And Jesus was asked what the most important commandment was, and he didn't hesitate. He said, love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that sounds really simple, doesn't it? But if we're really real, we know that love can be messy. I saw a clip from a podcast recently that stated that when someone is struggling or in need, all they need is eight minutes from a friend to hold space for them to make them feel better. And I was immediately um, left wondering if that was really true and accurate. So I did a little research and I traced the concept back to a happiness challenge that was put out in 2023 by the New York Post as steps that people could try to experience more joy in their lives. And the challenge was to think of a person that you love, someone that you miss, or someone that you wish you connected with more often, and to send that person a quick text asking if you could have an eight-minute conversation. And then after you're on the phone for the eight minutes and you chat, you decide when your next chat's going to be, and then you promptly hang up and honor your commitment. Unless, of course, your friend's having a really hard time when you should definitely keep that phone call going because obviously they needed you. But when you hang up, you're going to enjoy that little glow of well-being. There was a doctor, Dr. Bob Waldinger, a professor of psychiatry at Harvard um, Medical School and the author of a book called The Good Life, Lessons from the World's Longest Scientific Study of Happiness. And he said that most busy people tend to think that in some unspecified future, we'll have a time surplus where we'll be able to connect with old friends. And that may not ever actually materialize. So he said, you should pick up the phone and invest your time right now. And it turns out that hearing the sound of a loved one's voice is emotionally regulating. According to Claudia Glacermussen, a psychotherapist in New York City. In eight minutes, she adds that you can call your friend from high school and say, I love you so much, here's what's happening. Or listen, I want to run something by you really quickly. And it's a short period of time, but you can get a lot in. And it's a deep enough amount of time that the bonding hormones start to set in. Having an agreed-upon time in advance solves a common conversational issue that was revealed in a 2021 study. Researchers looked at 932 conversations between pairs of people and found that they almost never ended when both people wanted them to. Some preferred that the conversation continue longer, and some felt like the conversation had drug on for too long. But a study of 240 adults in 2021 found that when participants receive brief phone calls a few times a week, their levels of depression and loneliness and anxiety were rapidly reduced compared with people who didn't receive a phone call at all. And as Dr. Waldinger writes in his book, a few adjustments to our most treasured relationships can have real effects on how we feel and on how we feel about our lives. And it's a gold mine of vitality that we are not paying attention to. So today we're going to be in Matthew chapter 20, and we're going to look at how Jesus treated people that were hurting. People who were, felt like they were in the margins of society. Like they had been pushed to the edges and the fringes. People who felt like nobody was hearing them or thinking about them. People who were in the middle of a mess. People who felt like the least important people in the room. And I want to look at how Jesus treated those people to see how we can learn to treat them. 
I want to talk to you about people that feel this way in our society because in our lives we encounter people that feel this way all the time. And they don't feel like they belong and they're lonely. And my hope and my prayer for our time together is that our awareness for hurting people would be elevated and that we would see how Jesus treated the hurting and would treat them the way that he did. It's just kind of like when you get a new car. You have typically no more than left the lot and you begin to see that car, just like what you bought everywhere you go, right? My oldest daughter drives a Nissan Versa, um, and she went for a while, and she pointed out every single Nissan Versa that she saw, and it's not necessarily a super impressive car, um, but much to the irritation of everyone else in the family, she would point them out repeatedly, and I think it was um, annoying mostly because when she saw one, she would say in this really weird voice, look, it's a Versa. But we all recognize how our awareness has been elevated to notice the specific cars that we drive. My son is autistic. And if you have any experience with children or adults on the autism spectrum, then you know that many people with autism share very similar characteristics. For example, they can be sensitive to light and sound. They can be easily overwhelmed by new situations or uncertainties. They often prefer routine and they can have keen interest and knowledge in certain subjects. People with autism may have a lot of difficulty expressing their feelings, and many times they are very literal. And from very young ages, I have watched my, uh, his sisters recognize, assess, and communicate his needs quickly and efficiently in various situations. I've seen them intercept breakdowns and blow-ups. I've seen them work to figure out what he's trying to communicate and share it for him. I've seen them educate other people and give helpful tips. They have an elevated awareness of autism, so much so that they both easily recognize these unique characteristics in others on a regular basis, many times before others can see the signs. Why? Because they live every day with an elevated awareness. And in the same way, we need our awareness to be elevated so that we will notice hurting people wherever we encounter them in our lives. And then we can respond to them in the way that Jesus did. So let's read in Matthew chapter 20, verses 30 through 34. It says, two blind men were sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. So picture it. Jesus is walking down the road. We can see that he is surrounded by people. <clears throat> and there are people all around him. And it's very hectic, and it's very busy. And they're traveling all together, and off to the side of the road, there are these two blind guys. And they're sitting there, and they hear that Jesus is coming. And they hear the crowds, and they start shouting, Jesus, have mercy on us. And the people that are going by, they know that Jesus is important. So they're telling these guys to be quiet. Shh, be quiet. There's Jesus. Don't make a scene. Shh, hush. These guys are not having it. And so they just shout louder, Jesus, have mercy on us. And Jesus looked at them, and he saw them, and he did something really special. And I want to look at four things that I think that we can take away from this passage that will help us walk with the hurting. The first one is 
to love always, that love always starts with listening. Love always starts with listening. And people say that love comes from the heart. And on Valentine's Day, we can eat all those heart candies and get heart-shaped cards and balloons and all of that. But the truth is that love starts with our ears, and it starts with listening. When I first met my husband, Stephen, we were in high school, and communication habits were very different then. First of all, there was no texting, so we would pass notes back and forth um, throughout the school day, and they were written on actual paper with ink. Um, and we would also sit on the phone at night and talk for hours. And I don't think anybody, um, any students do this now for sure. They mostly text or snap and such. But back in the day, when you were dating somebody and you loved them, you would sit on the phone for hours. Now, we all know that at some point you have nothing left to say, right? But when you're dating, it's like, I want to share with you all my hopes and dreams in life, which you were normally able to share in about 10, 15 minutes max. And then your mind would go blank. And I remember being on the phone, not saying or doing anything really, maybe doing chores or whatever. And then would come the, what you doing? You know? And so it would be like, oh, I'm sitting on the floor underneath the bar trying to get some privacy, or I'm making popcorn, or any number of interesting things. We would sit on the phone for hours every night because that was the time that you spent listening to the other person, and that's where the love started. But the problem is that a lot of people feel like no one is listening, and they don't feel loved. And if people feel like no one is listening, then they just don't feel loved. And there are people all over your life and all over mine that we encounter every single day. We may not even know them, or we may not know they feel this way, but they don't feel like anyone is listening to them, and they're crying out in pain. And these guys right here on the side of the road, they're crying out to Jesus. And they don't feel like anybody hears them. So they're crying louder and louder and louder because they're trying to get somebody's attention. And they want somebody to hear them. And this happens all the time. It's not new. In Job 19.7, it says, I cry out help, but no one answers me. I protest, but there is no justice. And a lot of people feel this way, but Jesus, he heard them. Lots of people heard what they were saying because they were telling them to be quiet. But Jesus heard something different. If you listen to Psalm 18.6, it says, In my distress I called out to the Lord and I cried to my God for help. And from his temple he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. The ears of God are attuned to hear the cries of the hurting. And when God hears someone crying out in pain, whether it's me or whether it's you, when he hears someone hurting, it's always, it always causes him to turn and listen. And God listens every, to every single person that cries out. And the things that, about their cries that was different than all the noise around him is that he could hear the pain in their voice. And if you have kids, you understand this. Because when your kid cries, you can tell the difference. In the different kinds of cries, right? And there's a certain cry that your kid has when they've knocked their cup off of their high chair numerous times and they want you to pick it up for like the 25th time. Then there's a difference when they're really hurt because you can hear the pain in that cry. And it's a different kind of cry. And don't get me started on the differences in a physical hurt cry and a broken hearted cry. 
Because no matter what, you know that something's wrong. And you can hear the difference instantly. And in the crowd, God always hears the pain in the cries. And for us, we need to listen to the people around us. Because they are crying out. And they're trying. And we need to try really hard to not just hear what they're saying, but to hear the pain in what they're saying. And this can be really hard because so many people are making noise in this world. And people are crying out all over different things, and we can get really overwhelmed. So instead of listening to anyone, we decide that we're not going to listen at all. So we turn off our ears, and we kind of drown out all the noise with our own things in our own life. And we're content to get in our car and then to drive home and pull in our own driveways, to close the door to our garage behind us, and then to sit on the couch and just watch Netflix. And we don't have to mess with anybody there. And I get it. We can all feel that way at times. And this is something that we really need to retrain ourselves for. To open our ears and to listen to the people around us that are hurting. Because the Bible says this in Proverbs 21, 13. Whoever shuts their ears to the cry of the poor will also cry out and not be answered. So may we ask God to open our ears so that we can hear the cries of the people around us. So the first thing we need to do is to love or to listen because love always starts with listening. And the next, we need to be ready to stop. In Matthew 20, 32, the Bible says that the first thing that happened after Jesus heard the men calling is that he stopped. He didn't take one more step. And we all know that Jesus knew that his time on earth was short. He had a lot of things to accomplish and to get done, but he always made room for interruption. And many of the miracles that we know of from the New Testament come from times in Jesus' life when he was interrupted. But Jesus was always willing to allow himself to be interrupted. No matter what he had on his plate or on his schedule, when Jesus healed the paralytic man, when they tore the hole in the roof and he was speaking to a room full of people, it would be like me being here with you guys today and somebody tearing a hole in the roof and lowering someone down. He was interrupted in that moment, but he allowed it. He did a miracle when he calmed the wind and the waves of the raging sea because he was taking a nap, and they came down and they interrupted him. And Jairus interrupted Jesus and begged Jesus to heal his daughter. And he said, okay. But on his way to do that, a woman with an issue of blood grabbed the hem of his garment and interrupted him again. And he stopped and did a miracle in that moment. And when he healed the blind Bartimaeus, he was interrupted over and over and over again, you see that Jesus allowed himself to be interrupted and it made room for God to do something really great. I'm so thankful for the times in my life when people have allowed themselves to be interrupted for my sake. How many people in here have locked their keys in their car? Yeah, you needed somebody to be interrupted for you. When I was in high school, I once locked my keys in the car while it was running Apparently, in my rush of arriving to school that day with projects for me and my sister and all the things, I left the car running, locked the doors, and headed into school. About mid-morning, a classmate who had been um, arriving late because of an appointment told me that my car was running in the parking lot, and I thought that she had lost her mind. But unfortunately, it was me who had lost my mind um, because it was indeed running, um, and I had to interrupt my parents' work day and get my car unlocked and turn it off. And I have worked with young, peoples and, uh, young people and families for a long time. 
And there, if there's anything that I have learned, it's that sometimes people need you. And it's not always something that can be scheduled. As a children's pastor, I cannot tell you how many kids had me listed as their emergency contact at school. Parents would ask since they didn't have any close family uh, nearby, and I would, of course, say yes. And I even picked up a few kids from school here and there when needed. And over the years, I've given my phone number to numerous parents and students and young adults. And those of you that know me well know that I sleep with my phone on my nightstand. And it rarely gets silenced because I have told all of our students and our young adults that they can call or text me at any time, and I will answer. And I do. Because they are worth my time. Because here's the thing. People that are hurting or marginalized or pushed to the edge, they don't know our schedule. They will call out to us and they will come to us, and it may be at some of the most inconvenient times for us. But these guys on the side of the road, they didn't know where Jesus was going. They didn't know where he had come from. All they knew is they were hurting and they were blind, and this man could make them see. And so they were going to get his attention. And if we allow ourselves to be interrupted and not so busy, we will make room for the Holy Spirit to move in our day and for God to do something really great. And if we allow ourselves time to help people when we see the need, God will do some incredible things in our lives and in the lives of other people. So we love that love always starts with listening. We need to be ready to stop. and We need to look past their behavior to see their value. We said that love starts with your ears. And it's true. But love also, you have to love people with your eyes. Jesus heard them. He stopped what he was doing. He looked over at them. Because when you look at someone, you're giving them what? Your attention. And when you say, you got my attention, you're really saying, I'm giving you a piece of my time right here. And we all know that that's all we have, right? That's all our life is made up of, of time that we really, really have. And by giving, by saying that I'm giving you this time, we're really saying, I'm giving you my life for this moment. What is it that you really, really need? And that's exactly what Jesus did. He took his eyes and he looked at these guys and he said, you have my attention. You have my time. You have my life right now. What is it that you need? He looked at them. It's like when you go out on a date and you go out somewhere really nice and you sit down at the table and it's been forever since you um, had a nice evening out with your special someone and you spend the whole time on your cell phone. Do you think your special someone feels loved? No, not really. No one wants to talk to you when you're on your cell phone the entire time, right? So you should put the cell phone down. And you should look that person in the eyes. Why? Because that says, I love you. And that it's all about you and me right now. And I'm giving you this whole moment because that's how much you mean to me. And Jesus did that with these two guys. And he didn't even know them. In that moment, he didn't just see two blind men sitting by the side of the road. He saw two people that God had created and put together for a purpose. They had a destiny, and they had something inside them that got placed there for a reason. And he was looking not just at these people, but at the value that God sees in them. God has a way of making people feel 100% completely loved just by looking at them. 
Because you see, when God sees us, he doesn't just see the mess that we're in. He sees what we can be once we get through the mess. And my prayer for each one of us is that God would give us the ability to see the people in our lives as he does. That we wouldn't just walk through our days not noticing someone here and there. That we wouldn't see people and choose to ignore them because it's messy. But that we would see people the way that God sees them. Because if you see someone and you know that they're valuable to God, it changes the way that you treat them. The last thing today is to do whatever you can to help. This is kind of just the mark of a Jesus follower, isn't it? This is what we should normally be walking around doing. But this is one of the more intimidating things to do because most of the time we don't feel like we're capable of fixing someone's problems. And the truth is, you're not, and neither am I. And it can feel a bit intimidating. You think, if I can't fix their problem, then I don't want to get involved. I just want to stay over here, and I'll pray from them from a distance, but I don't want to help them because I don't really know what to do. And the truth is, you can't fix their problem, but there's probably something that you can do to help. When Jesus heard them and he stopped and he looked at them, he asked what they wanted. And then he reached out his hand and he touched them and he healed them because that's what he can do. But the question for us today is what can we do? It doesn't have to be some big and incredibly spiritual thing. It's as easy as, hey, I see you're going through a really hard time and I was wondering if I could take your kids on Friday night and babysit for you so that you could go out to dinner with your spouse. It's as easy as, hey, I see you, and I'm here if you want to talk. It's as easy as telling an elderly neighbor, hey, I, c- I see your grass needs mowing, and I'd really like to mow it for you. It's as easy as being in school and seeing someone that's sitting by themselves, and so you go over and you sit down and you talk to them. That's really all it takes. There was a little girl who was late coming home from school one day, and her mother placed, paced the floor until she finally arrived 15 minutes late. How many times have I told you, do you, you come home directly after school? I was worried sick. Don't you ever make me worry like that again. No, Mama, you don't understand. What don't I understand? Today was show and tell, and Jamie brought a china doll that her grandma gave her. Well, I don't care how nice a doll that Jamie has. You don't stay and play. You come straight home. No, no, Mama, you don't understand. Understand what? When we were walking home, some boys were mean to us, and Jamie dropped the doll, and it broke on the sidewalk, and I stayed to help Jamie. Oh, well, honey, that's so sweet that you stayed behind to help Jamie fix her doll, but you still need to come straight home. No, 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 Mommy, you don't understand. It was broken so bad that we couldn't fix it. I stayed to help Jamie cry. Oh, that we could have a heart like that, that we would remember that God does not call us to raise the dead or heal the sick or even to piece back together shattered china dolls. He simply asks us to be Jesus in the presence of the hurting and maybe even to help them cry. Catherine Laws was affectionately referred to as the mother of Sing Sing. She resided within the notorious prison facility along with her children She was the wife of the warden, and she was deeply cherished by the inmates who reverently addressed her as mother. 
Catherine earned her title of mother due to her compassionate work with the inmates at Sing Sing Prison in New York City. She was married to Warden Lewis Laws, who led the prison from 1920 to 1941 and implemented many progressive reforms. Catherine's role was unique for a warden's wife. She was highly involved with the inmates to the point of being beloved by them. She arranged for every man to receive a Christmas present, helped them write letters to their families, and even interceded on their behalf with the warden. The local Tribune wrote one of the few articles about her and described how she took, not sent, food and clothes and money to a family left desolate by a husband's imprisonment. She saw to it that the encouraging letters went to hopeless young criminals. Many, many dollars found their way from her purse to the pockets of newly released men who were frightened to face freedom again. And when a convict's mother or near relative was dying, the convict was permitted to leave the Sing Sing walls for a final visit. And on such occasion, instead of going under heavy guard, he was usually taken in Mrs. Laws's own car, often accompanied by the warden's wife herself. Catherine hosted Labor Day picnics for inmates, Halloween parties for the neighborhood, and she made sure that the mess hall served Thanksgiving dinner and other special meals for holidays. The inmates knew that they could trust her with one quoted as saying that telling Mother Law something was like burying it at sea. She was especially kind to those on death row. She quietly helped them make their cells brighter. She spent hours talking to them and helping out their families to the extent of putting up the families in her own home as the execution date grew, drew near and arranged their final visits. And she also made sure that every prisoner had a decent burial if they had no immediate family. Little things, perhaps, but important and so deeply compassionate. Catherine Laws was told to stay away from the prisoners, but that did not stop Catherine. When the prison first basketball game was held, she went, walking into the gym with her three beautiful children, and she sat in the stands with the inmates. Her attitude was, my husband and I are going to take care of these men, and I believe they will take care of me. I don't have to worry. She insisted on getting acquainted with them and their records. She discovered that one convicted murderer was blind, so she paid him a visit. And holding his hand in hers, she said, do you read Braille? What's Braille, he asked. And then she taught him how to read. And years later, he would weep in love for her. Later, Catherine found a deaf mute in prison, and she went to school to learn how to use sign language just to communicate with him. And then she died in an accident. And the next morning, Lewis Laws did not come to work, so the acting warning took his place. And it seemed that almost instantly, the prison knew that something was wrong. And the inmates were inconsolable when they heard the news of her sudden and shocking death. And her body was resting in a casket in her home, three-quarters of a mile from the prison. And as the warden took his early morning walk, he was shocked to see a large crowd of the toughest and hardest-looking criminals gather like a herd of animals at the main gate. And he came closer and noted tears of grief and sadness. And he knew how much they loved Catherine. And finally, against his instincts, Warden Laws was forced to do the unthinkable. He opened up the prison gates and he allowed 200 or so old timers to march up the hill without a guard to the warden's house to pay their last respects. And 200 men walked through the gates that day and 200 men walked back into the prison that night. And many said that Catherine Laws was the body of Jesus that came alive 
in Sing Sing from 1921 to 1937 because Catherine was a picture of the caring community of Jesus. Over and over in the Bible, we see Jesus moving towards people's hurt and miraculously coming through for them. And whether it was a blind man beside the road or a woman caught in adultery or a lame man lying beside a pool, Jesus stepped into their situation and he showed them that his love was more powerful than their mess. You see, love is messy. And Jesus wants to, us to follow in his example and run towards the mess of others. We live in a world where people naturally run away from other people's junk. People are dealing with pain and hurt and difficulty all around us, and life gets overwhelming, and struggles can weigh us down. So think about making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It's simple, right? But it can get messy. The peanut butter sticks to the knife, and the jelly drips on the counter. But in the end, you have a really delicious sandwich, and that's a lot like love. It can be messy, but it's worth it. And we are not called to love from a distance. We are called, like Jesus, to be willing to step into the mess of others who are hurting and help those who are tired and wounded. And we are called to be in it with them and to point them to Jesus. And as we wrap up today, I pray that we will be more aware that our, more aware and that our awareness will be elevated so that we would see people and respond the way that Jesus did. But I also realize that there may be people who feel like you are the person in the mess. You're hurting and no one hears you. No one sees you. And we try really hard at Next Level to make um, it feel like home for everybody that comes to the doors and everybody who watches. And we want you to know that your story is safe. We want you to feel safe. We want you to feel cared for each and every week. And you may come through here and you still feel like no one sees you or hears you. And many times you're going through something that we don't even know about, but we would like to know. So if you're going through something and you need somebody to walk through it with you or to pray with you, you can connect with um, any of our team in the lobby. You can find the prayer team in the back after service. You can write down your prayer request and stick it on our prayer wall in the back. But I want to remind you of one thing. When you feel like no one sees you or no one hears you, it may be true for the people in your life. But I can tell you that God does see you. God hears you. He knows every tear that you have ever cried. And he's heard every prayer that you have ever prayed. Because he loves you. And talking about loving others is just not enough. <clears throat> we need to show it. It might be hard or even uncomfortable, but it's also very rewarding. And so this week, let's step up and step out of our comfort zones and start loving the people who are around us. So let's pray for God to give us ears to listen, a willingness to be interrupted, eyes that see what he sees, and a desire to do what we can for those in our life. Because you see, when you begin to look outward, you are no longer focused on your own hurt and loneliness because you are breaking out of your world to be there for others. So your challenge for the week ahead is to see the hurt, look at and listen to those around you, and then to take the time to engage because it only takes eight minutes to make someone feel seen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your love. We are thankful that you are always listening, that you hear every prayer and see every tear. 
We thank you for always stepping into our mess, and we ask that you would give us an elevated awareness of the needs of others and allow us to be representatives of your love to those around us. In your name we pray, amen. If you think today's message might be valuable to someone that you know, if you would share it, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, It helps us bring the mission that we have to raise the reputation of Jesus where we live, work, and play to others around us. Um, You could also uh, like or subscribe to our channel. Um, And also, if you would like to support the ministry of Next Level Church, you can go to nextlevelchurch.org and click that Give button. Um, It helps us make sure that... um, we can reach those who are just like you, who have needs out in our community. And so by way of benediction, I would like to read from Philippians 2, 1 through 4. It says, think about what we have in Christ, the encouragement that he has brought us, the comfort of his love, our sharing in his spirit, and the mercy and kindness that he has shown us. And if you enjoy these blessings, then do what will make my joy complete. Agree with each other and show your love for each other. Be united in your goals and in the way you think. And in whatever you do, don't let selfishness or pride be your guide, but be humble and honor others more than yourselves. And don't be interested in only in your own life, but care about the lives of others too. We hope you have an amazing week, and I pray that you will be joining us here very soon, and that you will continue with us in our series in loneliness.